Will you just jam in shrubs straight? Oh, hello. You are listening to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast where I tell Matt about my favorite drink. Which is? Well, you're not going to play with me a little bit before we get right to the, to the meat of the episode? This you is didn't give to... me something to, something to play with, but you just kind of jumped right into this it. This is supposed, so I don't know to, be what I'm supposed the... to do. That's what I always do. I always give some summary. I, admittedly, the summary I gave up front was a little bit direct. Usually it's more vague than that. Here, I'll say something, I'll say something fun and out, of, and, and out of character for you. Uh, uh, Andy, is it a booze drink? Oh, it's a booze drink. No, it's not a booze drink. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me you have to drink tiny wines. Too many tiny wines. I did have to drink some of those. That is true. Oh, okay. But not my favorite drink. Not by a wide margin. Your favorite drink isn't tiny bottles of cheap wine? No, not even a little bit. Not even a little bottle bit. That's, that's, a, that's really weird. Itty bitty bottles of stuff. Is it kombucha? <laughs> do, do you intentionally say kombucha wrong or i can't tell this time i didn't but it is a fun game i like to play where i say things wrong or say the name of something completely wrong yeah it's just like a merlin uh, man artisanal uh or know. where you say kombucha my most recent uh game i play is i, I watch stranger things 2 and then all the names of the monsters i intentionally get them wrong in front of people who are super into stranger things 2 cool that's, cool that's my new game yeah that's a good game to play i imagine they don't they don't like it they don't like it when you call a demigorgon a gorgoroth mm. or a demu borgir you know they don't like that a real, i like it a real benedict cumberbatch yeah exactly <laughs> i've not watched the stranger things because well, it seems scary and i don't get down with scary it's maybe one percent like of all the entire show it's probably one percent of time that it's scary and then the rest of the time you probably just like the people I've had people that know me either say, oh, it's not scary, you'll love it, or you should never watch this show, it's way too scary, it'll freak you out. Like, I don't th- think I've ever been around you, like, at your scary threshold. Mm, well, do you want me, I have, I figured out a little while ago, the best way to describe, it's not just, like, scary, it's like a level of intensity in films that makes me uncomfortable, and I don't okay. enjoy watching. Yeah. Uh, and the metric that I, I've given is, there's one movie that is, like, right on the cusp, it's not too far, but it's so close, if there were one more intense scene in it it would be too far and that movie is the original jurassic park that so that is that's okay if it is more intense than jurassic park or more scary than jurassic park i will probably not enjoy watching it i see i actually think stranger things might be less intense despite the fact that there are monsters uh there are less tense moments than getting eaten by a dinosaur i think well, it's not really the action. I have to think about that. The action's not what that. gets me. Because like, I, I watch Quentin Tarantino movies, and you know, I handle that just fine. Well, uh, I so thought I, it was the getting eaten by a dinosaur part that would get you. No, it's the emotional intensity. Those kids, where are they going to fall? Is the, is the whole Jeep going to fall? Is that back glass going to break? Ugh. Mm. I can't handle mm. it. Too emotionally intense. Hmm. Well, I recently... Actually, this might be your line. I recently saw Jurassic Park but performed with an orchestra, like in front of the theater Ooh. or in front of the movie? Like, would that just little tick of having the live orchestra there set you off? No, would you that, would definitely, away? that would definitely help because it would be like a distraction because it'd yeah. be like an extra thing to focus on if I wanted to focus on that. Like, ooh, look what the second violinist is doing. It was a lot of fun. So maybe That sounds do pretty that. great. Yeah, that's enjoyable. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? No, we're not talking about that time you saw Jurassic Park with a real live orchestra. <laughs> that would be... I've- I a hyper-specific thing for me to think was very good, <laughs> considering I didn't even know you did it till just now. I thought that's what you'd want to talk about. No, it's not. It's funny, I've had, to come with a, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I'm actually pretty sensitive when it comes to films. I feel like growing up, 
you're not encouraged to, uh, you're supposed to like tough it up. And the, the idea that a movie would upset you, maybe as a, as a young man in this country, is not a thing that you're really allowed to, sh- to share. And so I kind of kept it to myself and also didn't really admit it to myself. And now I'm just like, no, you know what? Jurassic Park, a little too scary. Or all right on the cusp, almost too yeah. scary to watch, it, to watch for me. I have, I've had to admit to myself that I can't watch movies with sad dog stuff happening, mm, at least not yeah. in front of other people, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be too long, too, too long with the crying. Yeah. Uh, like that, uh, that scene, or what was that movie with it, Will? Oh, I Am Legend. Remember that yeah. movie? Yeah, that one was uh, too much for me in a lot scene, of ways. There's a scene where his family blows up, and I was like, eh. <laughs> But then his dog dies, you're like, oh my god, it's his dog, it's his well, only people dog. Are, people are bad and complex. You know, they, yeah. have, uh, they have dark sides and, and light sides, but dogs are just pure. Yeah, so, so, that, so that family blowing up scene is totally fine by me, apparently, but <laughs> no dogs, please. I'm also sure it was the way it was shot. I bet the family blowing up was like a action-packed scene with a tragic ending where the dog was probably shot all emotionally. A lot of focusing on a real sad Will Smith. That sounds pretty correct. I haven't seen it in a long time, but that sounds correct. Also, the dog is a symbol. Metaphor. Is it a symbol for all dogs? It's a symbol for, uh, for fraternity. Loyalty? Yeah. Friendship. They're just all dogs. All dogs. Yeah, basically dogs, pretty much. Yeah, it's a symbol for dogs. But that's not what we're talking about today, Matt. Okay, what are we talking about? What a what a lovely diversion. What a what a nice little stroll down that down that side path of conversation. Hey, sometimes when you're doing your other podcast and you don't have to talk about anything, you don't want to talk about anything. Yeah, so you, know you don't. I mean? <laughs> Suck a lemon, listeners. <laughs> if you don't like it, keep you from getting scurvy. The uh, we're talking about the best drink ever, objectively, Matt, and that drink is a London Fog or otherwise known as an Earl Grey latte. Have you had a London Fog matte? No. Mm, see, this is the thing. I've noticed that it's not a very popular drink in this country. It's not like, you know, totally underground, right? Like, almost every Starbucks will serve you one that I've been to. Okay. Um, some places don't call it a London Fog. I've been to places where they call it a cute, like, local thing, like, insert local thing fog. They'll be like, ooh, like the san francisco bridge fog golden gate bridge yeah. fog i haven't actually i don't know if that's actually one but i've been places where they call it that uh what it is pretty much what it sounds like you make earl gray tea like a really strong batch of earl gray tea stronger than you would make if you were just drinking it straight uh okay. you add a bunch of frothed milk and then usually people add a little bit of sugar simple syrup uh, occasionally a dash of vanilla and uh you have what is basically the best wintertime or anytime drink uh imaginable how does that well, sound to you, never having had one when I describe it? Uh, is it I might blowing need to your it. mind? I might need to preface it by saying the kind of things I do like. I like a black coffee. Uh, I never have put milk in my tea. Mm, gosh, this, uh, is, uh, this is really an awful lot about Matt now all of a sudden. I don't know if this is <laughs> going to be a thing that I like. I don't, I don't put milk in my coffee or tea. Uh, I don't really put sugar in my coffee or tea. I don't really drink tea that much. I mostly drink coffee. So like, is this going to be a thing I enjoy, or is this just an Andy thing? This well, is thing you should Andy enjoy it because it's objectively the best drink, which we just established. So, of course, you should like sure. it. Sure. Based on the premise of this show, I will definitely agree with that. <laughs> but, uh, so here's, the, here's my sort of history. I don't like coffee because I have never forced myself to like it. And I feel pretty strongly that coffee is one of those things that you just force yourself to like. Like, no. Oh, I think so. I think coffee, alcohol. Most sauce, alcohol. Yeah. Like uh, fermented drinks. Uh, uh, what, how, how do I do it wrong? A kombucha? A kombucha? Kombucha. Uh, I think it's called kombucha, obviously. Yeah, exactly. 
basically if a child doesn't like it you probably force yourself to like it as an adult somehow the average yeah, child sure. doesn't doesn't like yeah. it so sushi and and tea very much falls into this category right uh so i don't drink coffee because i've never forced myself to like it because i had one mug of coffee once and i nearly exploded because i have a lot of natural energy and the coffee was not good for me at all it was like i don't know you're kind of a slow talker have you even noticed that about yourself you're kind of a slow talker you've been reading twitter as well yes <laughs> for the first time we got a not a complaint i guess but a, a notice that we were talking too slow which seems puzzling to me but uh yeah, so I've had a coffee and you've exploded. The other thing is I feel like with my brain, yeah, you're a night owl, Matt. Do you ever feel yeah. like one of the reasons you can actually focus and like get work done late at night is because you're like partially asleep? Like part of your brain is not really functioning anymore, which allows you to actually truly focus for the first time all day? Mm, it might be that. I, I don't know. Or is it the opposite? Am I more awake a little bit later in the day? Uh, I don't know. I'm real, I'm real groggy at like nine, nine to 10. Like, uh, Susanna will make fun of me that I haven't had my coffee yet. Uh, oh, what a unique one of a kind joke. I know. I know. It's, You're a real uh, coffee monster. But I think, I think in reality, I think I just, I, I think I could have my coffee or not have my coffee and I would just be better around 10 anyway. Sure. So is that me being a little bit sleepier or just more aware? I thought I it was know. just more aware. Anyway. I personally have always felt like if I'm totally awake, you know, full battery, whatever yeah. time of day that might be, I actually get a little less work done because my brain is trying to do like four to 15 things all at once. Mm -hmm. And therefore, no one thing gets full, full attention, the full cycle. Yeah. But, uh, but late at night, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm a little tired. Bed would be cool. But also, wouldn't it be cool to do this creative project and just work on it 1,000%? Yeah, I, I don't feel that way. I feel the opposite. By the way, if, if you, you feel like more awake joke, night. you're welcome to. You're welcome to take that have you had your coffee yet thing and reuse it. Have you had your coffee yet? It's pretty special. A pretty unique thing, I'd say. Anyway, I never forced myself to like coffee. But I did, in college, force myself to like tea because, as you alluded to vaguely earlier, I don't really drink alcohol that much. I'm not a teetotaler. I'll drink occasionally. But I don't really enjoy most alcoholic drinks. I don't like beer. I think it tastes bad. Uh, you know, it's not usually my thing. What I, what yeah. I do like is like a really, a really fancy cocktail. Uh, or if you go to like a, a nice restaurant that'll do wine pairings, like that kind of stuff, I appreciate. But you know, normal day-to-day -day drinking is not so much for me, which was true yeah. in college as well. So uh, in college, everyone was getting into coffee in a big way, or was already into coffee in a big way, or there were people that were really into energy drinks, which. As we've discussed my reaction to coffee, I could not jam a Red Bull because it would be the end of me. Uh, <laughs> or people were getting into drinking alcohol a bunch, and I couldn't do any of these things. And I was sitting there in college thinking, I want a cool beverage to drink that's not water. <laughs> I want something special I can drink. That's a special treat that is not water. Uh, so I decided on tea, which at the time I hated. I thought it tasted bitter and gross and terrible. And what I did for about two months is I just drank as much tea as I possibly could, like mm -hmm. one to four cups of tea every single day and just choked it down. I was like, ugh, yucky, gross, don't like this. And just, you know, black tea, no sugar, no cream, milk, anything, just straight. Uh, and can I can I say, I've never had the experience of tea tasting bad to me. I don't, I can't think of one time in my life where I've been like, oh, this is gross. I can remember being a kid and drinking coffee and thinking it's gross. Never had that moment with tea. 
Is this unique to you, or is this, this something is a, that you've experienced Well, this is the thing I've read about. Uh, you know, you, you may be familiar with this phenomenon of super tasters. Oh, do you think you're a super taster? Well, I don't know. If you look at the chart, maybe. But uh, I definitely think that... How do you feel about that, cilantro? Well, that's a different thing. The cilantro tasting like soap is totally different. Uh, oh, okay. But the, the best examples I can point to is that, for me, celery tastes like extremely bitter it's like one of the most bitter vegetables and most people i talk to are like what are you talking about celery has no flavor tastes uh, like water yeah see i get i celery has a very very strong bitter flavor to me such that like little pieces in a thing i can tell from a mile away or the worst ugh, celery root oh don't get me started on celery root it's horrible uh, okay so i might have some taste thing most people don't have <clears throat> to me tea always tasted bitter like, you, you never made like a super strong pot of tea where you just left the leaves in the water for like two hours uh and then went to drink it and we're like whoa too much tea that's never happened to you that hasn't happened to me huh because the from talking to the people i've gleaned that that kind of uh over brewed like really intense tea uh that the flavor most people get when they do that is what i taste when i taste like normal regularly brewed tea either way i hated it was bitter thought it was gross but I drank it every single day for two months, and then I liked it because, I don't know, I convinced myself to like it, or at least I became accustomed to it and, you know, suffered from, uh, what's that thing where you fall in love with your captor? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome for tea. I was like, I must drink this. I'm going to force myself to, so I might as well fall in love with my tea prison. So anyway, I started liking tea. And to this day, I still, you know, 99 out of 100 cups of tea I have uh, are totally straight no sugar no nothing uh, yeah. i pretty much never put sugar in tea but the thing about the, the london fog mat is that it's a whole thing like it's not <laughs> it's not it's not tea if you want tea you yeah. have tea if you want a london fog then you have a london fog uh okay it doesn't satisfy the same thing you're saying no it, here's the best way to describe it is like it's like a milkshake but for breakfast and hot okay like a hot milkshake i don't really like I usually make fun of people who order things that I call milkshakes, like people who order things uh, that you coffees. call milkshakes. Yeah. So like if you order a coffee specifically from Starbucks and it's like way more milkshake than it is coffee, I will make fun of you because you got a milkshake instead of a coffee. You see what I mean? Well, so here's the thing about that, Matt. You can, I don't understand why you make fun of somebody for that. It's just a different drink. It's not coffee. Like it's, it is a milkshake, but maybe that person wants a milkshake. That's like... You know, you go to a well, diner, you get a diner and someone gets a milkshake and you're like, that milkshake is not even anything like black coffee. What's wrong with you? It's like, well, well yeah, I it's would, a milkshake. I would, I would make fun of them if they said, I'll have a coffee and then a milkshake showed up. Also, <laughs> sure, I feel like there's a sure. certain... <laughs> we can talk about terminology. That makes sense. <laughs> we can... Uh, also, I feel like there's, a, there's an inherent thing of like, I'm slightly shaming because you probably shouldn't have a milkshake every day, right? Whereas, like, Starbucks has made it acceptable to have a milkshake every day, and I'm making fun of you because you shouldn't do that. Maybe that's a little bit of what I'm doing. I don't know if that's appropriate. I can understand that. You're having a a response to... Like, you're a grown-up, and you're ordering a milkshake every morning. Be a grown-up. Be a grown-up and drink this disgusting bean water that (laughs) everyone agrees tastes like the burned bottom of a rubber tire. But we drink anyway because we're adults, darn it. And as adults, we suffer. There's a great Pete and Pete episode about that. I don't know if you remember Pete and Pete. I don't know what Pete and Pete is. Okay, it was a Nickelodeon show. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm. Do we have show notes for this show? I don't know. We do in SoundCloud. We do right now, and it's just got one link, and it says Pete and Pete. Ooh, and it's a- you should link to Pete and Pete and then Pete's Coffee. 
Okay. Pete there and is, Pete's and Pete's. There is Pete and Pete where the dad admits he doesn't actually like coffee, but he just does it because all the other grownups do. And there's also Pete's Coffee, which hopefully they don't have the same admission. That seems like a bad marketing plan. Okay. Okay. You're going to link to Pete and Pete and Pete's Coffee and Pete, P-E-A-T, which is that kind of dirt like or whatever. Like the moss, the kind of mossy dirt stuff. Yeah, mossy dirt. I think it's like got some fuel, like oil in it or something, I think yeah. is what Pete is. Like, I think you can burn it for fuel. You can. I know they do it in, I think they do it in Ireland and Scotland because it's, uh, it's a source of fuel if you don't have wood. I'm or just like, excited. I think it's an easy, easily burned thing. I'm just excited for somebody to look at the show notes and go, Pete and Pete and Pete and Pete's. <laughs> Wait, Pete and Pete and Pete's and Pete. Yeah. Should I do it? Should I do it all in one line where it says Pete and Pete, and then there's an ampersand that says and Pete's, and then an ampersand that says and Pete? Yeah, I think so that's, that's good. really straightforward and easy to understand. I think that's good. Okay, you got it. Anyway, back to uh, you forced yourself to like tea, and now you're a captor of tea, and you like this other tea beverage. Well, yeah. So I still drink a lot of tea, and I would say in the cold months, I drink it almost every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, certainly every weekday at work because it's you know a good way to. Nice way to start the day with a warm beverage after your cold bike ride in with your frigid, mm-hmm. frigid hands wrapped around the handlebars. Yeah, um, sure. And the thing about the London Fog uh, is that I think other countries have taken to this much more strongly than the United States has. And I think that's a good indication that we're just a little bit behind the times and that this is actually, in fact, the objectively best beverage. Uh, when I was in Toronto... Uh, these things are everywhere. They're, you know, like for example, you can get one at a Starbucks in America, but it's usually not on the menu. You usually have to say like, "Can I have a London Fog?" And they will say, yeah. either say sure or they will say, "Is that the Earl Grey thing?" And you say yes. Uh, sometimes you ask for London Fog, and the nice lady behind the counter says, "How much do, espresso do I put in that?" And you say, "None. No espresso. <laughs> no espresso in the tea." What drink. are they confusing it with? What do they think a London Fog is that has espresso in it? I think some people, when you say, like, if people ask me, what is the London Fog? I will say an Earl Grey latte. And some people think latte means it has espresso in it, which is not, oh, okay. not what that Got means. It. So it would be Earl Grey plus espresso plus milk. Mm-hmm. Weird. Who knows? I don't know. Someday, I want to give myself the power to make a London Fog at home, which will involve getting a milk frother because we don't have an espresso machine, so we can't steam milk that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some people steam milk in the microwave, but that just feels, I don't want to drink microwave milk. Oh, I thought you had to have one of those machines. I didn't know you could do it any other way. I think you can do it other ways. I think uh, you definitely can do it on the little steam wand of an espresso machine. Uh, yeah. Or you can get a bespoke milk frother, which is much smaller and takes up less counter space if you don't drink espresso in your house. <laughs> uh, or I think you can like put some milk in a Tupperware and then like microwave it for a little while and then shake it up to get air bubbles in it and then microwave it some more. I think that's another option. It's a lot of effort. That option does not uh, not appeal to me. Shaking no. shaking milk in a Tupperware and then pouring it into my drink. It's not the it kind like of. Uh, I think if you walked in on someone doing that, you'd ask if they're okay. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> How are things? How are things at home, Jerry? <laughs> are you? Uh, it looks to me like you just put milk in a Tupperware container and you're microwaving it, and now you're shaking it. Jeez, Jerry, what are you trying to burn your face somehow? You're trying to get some sort of severe burn on your face. This is a cry for help. (laughs) Shaking that milk. Yeah. Okay, so you want to make one at home. Uh, You think it's a good drink. Uh, And if I can explain why. It's still not appealing to me, so what what, what am I going to like about it? Well, I mean, do do you actually just dislike milk, or do you just have programmed so strongly into your brain that you must punish yourself as an adult and you may not enjoy sweet beverages because you're supposed to suffer? Uh, I don't. 
milk just doesn't come up that much. Like I don't, I don't drink milk, right? Like I don't just like have a glass of milk. That seems weird to me. I know. I, I, I mean, would agree. It's as, been a I know we super long kids, time right? since yeah. I had just a glass of milk. That seems. Okay. So I don't just drink a glass of milk. Uh, I don't often like eat ice cream or anything. Uh, I don't put it in my beverages. Like I drink a coffee and I don't put milk in it. I can't think of that many other, but I don't know. Am I supposed to drink a white Russian or something? I yeah, can't but you see, a, you're a answering this like a robot. You're saying based. like, you're saying like observing my behavior, very little milk present. I'm asking you, do you dislike milk? Like, do you actively avoid it because it tastes bad to you or creeps you out that it comes out of a cow? Uh, it doesn't creep me out. I don't love it. It's just fun. Like it's around, I guess, for other people, <laughs> but it's not. It's not super present in my life, or I don't seek it out. You know, there's plenty it's of things around, I seek out. I guess for other people, <laughs> there's a bunch of milk around, but I don't really care for it. I guess it must be for other people. <laughs> I mean, I'm always I'm walking into all kinds of stores that have milk huh. in it. I guess people and... are buying milk. They sell milk here. People must be buying this stuff. <laughs> it seems like a staple. Uh, yeah, I don't. I guess I just don't like milk that much. It doesn't so, come up that much. So you also won't do a latte, a coffee drink. No. Oh no, no, I do not like a latte. Hmm. Too milky. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Too much milk, I'd say. So you're just a firm believer that your your breakfast beverages must mirror life in their suffering and blandness. And I don't really I don't eat cereal, so I don't put milk in my cereal. It's just not it's not coming up a lot, Andy. Now the cereal thing, do you not eat cereal because you feel like it's a child's food and you are an adult, or do you not eat cereal because you don't like it? Because I rarely eat cereal because it's child's food, but I love it. <laughs> if I have an opportunity <laughs> to eat cereal, it's basically like most cereals, it's just a bowl full of dessert. Like it's got as much yeah. sugar as a bowl full of ice cream and it's got that good crunch. Oh man, I ate so much Actually, cereal as a kid. Cereal might be slightly different in that, uh, not that I dislike cereal. It's one of those, and I think you do this too. If I have like a bowl of sugary cereal in my house at all, or if I have a box of sugary cereal in my house, guess what? That's what box get of sugary cereal? What are you talking That's about? That's going to get eaten real fast. It's gone. Probably at night. Uh, and then I'm just gonna feel bad in the morning. And I don't eat, I don't eat breakfast that frequently. I'm more of a lunch and dinner guy. So, uh, that's just, that, that box of cereal is just gonna be pain for me. That's not gonna be a good thing. There's a decent chance my ideal dessert is just a bowl full of Reese's Puffs. Yeah, I did love Reese's Puffs this Ooh, That was a, that was very much sometimes treat. My mother knew that she couldn't buy the Reese's Puffs because <laughs> I would just, just go away I would destroy those puffs and it was not good for me. So yeah, it is also a child's food. Reese's Puffs is definitely a child's food that I will eat sometimes if I can. You know something I wonder about, Matt? What? What do you think, if it was possible to take all the food you have ever eaten in your entire life, you know, pre you eating it. I'm not talking about a big pile of digested food. Just take everything you <laughs> take everything you ate. You're talking about a pile of poop. You're saying take everything you ate and pile it up and group it by you know type of thing. Like put yeah. all of the Reese's Puffs Matt ever ate in one container. Put all oh, yeah. of the potato chips you ever ate in one big pile. Uh, yeah. If we did that for everything you ate and everything I ate, how different do you think those enormous piles would be? I think they'd be pretty different. I know we'd have one big overlap and they'd be soup dumplings. I know there'd be just a lot of soup dumplings in there. I love them, uh, but I have only had, like, part of the reason I love them is that they don't, they're not available in Baltimore. They're a total oh. hassle to cook. I've done it before, but they're a huge hassle to cook. It takes, like, multiple days. You have to make your pork gelatin and then wrap all the dumplings. It's, like, an enormous, enormous undertaking. So oh, I would that bet is my, that... Uh, that actually, then, then that might just be in my pile. I live near Chinatown, and yeah. I can order it whenever I want. I hate you. And so if I'm ever going to order food, it's either going to be uh, soup dumplings or chicken wings. That's pretty much it. That's De all I'm going to Definitely get. all the soup dumplings I've eaten in my life would fit inside of like a five-gallon jug. Okay. 
all right, five gallon jug full of dumplings. Because like my my first inclination is like these piles would probably be like pretty similar, but just because yeah. law of averages, you know, we both grew up in the United States in the, in the middle class. Uh, maybe you were allowed fruit roll-ups and I wasn't, and so you've got a fruit roll-ups repository where I have, you know, a couple that I traded for on the playground. But yeah. overall, it can't be that different. But then I just think about how many golden grams I ate as a child. Like, yeah. just the amount of golden grams I ate would surely feel like, I don't know, like a city garbage truck? Like, it's just so many golden grams. Multiple bowls every morning for six to ten years. Uh, yeah. And I think that if you didn't eat golden grams, that's a huge amount of food that we just don't have, have an overlap. And then I wonder how much different that would be. I also wonder how much different the, the size of the piles would be. Specifically, if people have like the same age and roughly the same biological size. Do you think there's a chance that I ate like 300% as much food as you somehow? Probably not. I feel like, uh, I feel like we have similar bad habits because you've also explained to me that some food you can't keep around, which implies that sometimes food just disappears in your house. Where'd it go? Uh, where'd it go? Uh, I bet it's probably similar foods uh, or similar amounts of food and maybe just some slight differences. If I had to guess. You would have your golden grams pile. I would have my Annie's mac and cheese pile. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever had that ever. Oh, that was a staple of my childhood. And now. (laughs) (laughs) I got a big pile of golden grams, Cheez-Its, Elio's pizza. Okay. uh, Hot pockets, unfortunately. That's That's a shameful pile, but it's a big pile. Yep. And then... In, uh, in high school, every day for lunch, I ate two uncooked ramen bricks. So that's a lot of uncooked ramen bricks in a pile. Okay. Well, I think I probably had a slightly healthier high school lunch than you did. Seems very likely. It'd be hard that's to have it be less healthy. It was basically just <laughs> straight carbs. I didn't even eat the seasoning packet because I would eat it, you know, raw. Just crunch it up in the bag and then eat it like chips. Interesting. I mean, I guess that makes it better that you didn't eat the seasoning packet because that means you'd just be like... Salt boy, drinking, I, I, drinking I'd be pickled seasoning. by now. I, I would yeah. be preserved for all time because of all the salt I ate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, Andy. You good could do it. You could not, do like a fun dip. The... You could lick the noodle and dip it in the seasoning packet. Well, that's you know what you should write a cooking book. <laughs> that's a that's a pro life tip for <laughs> pro life tip. That does, that sounds wrong. <laughs> that's an anti. That's a life tip, pro actually, tip about it. <laughs> for all of you listeners. It's a life out there. pro tip and an anti life tip. Yeah, it's true. I found it was the only... Th- so here's the thing. I didn't have a lunch period any, any year in high school because I always took an extra art class. So I was in class eating lunch. So yeah. the ramen is the best combination of portable and also filling because you eat those like little like dense noodles. And I don't know if this is actually scientifically true, but it feels like they expand in your stomach. Like you eat, you know, X volume of ramen noodles dry, uncooked. I guess they're cooked. They're just, you know... Uh, Dehydrated. dehydrated in the bag you eat that you know x volume of dehydrated ramen noodles and it feels like an hour later you ate 2x ramen i mean that is what happens and you put them in water they expand but that doesn't seem crazy that they would do that in your stomach yeah Where it was the only thing that, that filled me up i was a growing boy and then yeah. i would get home and eat a whole box of cheeses and a couple hot pockets your parents must have been thrilled <laughs> yeah they they love me <laughs> yeah anyway a london fog is a great beverage and next time we're together matt I'm going to buy one and make you try it. And if you don't like it, I'll drink both of ours. Okay. That that's fair to me. Because I the best guess I beverage. can't judge it too much because uh, I haven't had one. But because uh, here's the thing it's not sickly it's not, sweet. It's probably not going to be my favorite beverage. Because, like, you know, it's not sickly sweet, is the thing. Like, yeah. The sugar is like an option. A lot of places don't put it in. Uh, the steamed milk has a natural <laughs> kind of sweetness to it. I assume there's some amount of sugar just in milk naturally because yeah. it tastes a little bit sweet. Uh, but little dab, 
maybe a little dab of simple syrup or a little bit of vanilla and that steamed milk, it just gives, it gives you this great layering effect where the milk is, you know, frothy and a little sweet and like a yeah, subtle flavor. And then you get like that strong flavor of Earl Grey tea and Earl Grey tea is complex. It's got to be good tea mm-hmm. too. You can't do it with, with bad tea. You get yeah. those, so that sort of complex tea aftertaste. Oh, so good. Well, I'm going to yeah, put a milk frothing it. machine on my Amazon wish list. Well, so how do you feel about these, these drinks that you have to uh, acquire a taste for? I, one recent that I, I've, I've uh, come to really enjoy is uh, drinking vinegars or shrub. Yeah, like, shrubs are great. A, if you gave that to a kid, they'd definitely spit it out, but I don't think that makes it good or bad. Well, you just jamming right? shrubs straight? Uh, no, that's a lot. I was going to say, I think anybody would not like just drinking vinegar. I meant, I meant like a prepared, like you mix it with a seltzer and give yeah, it to yeah, a kid. I think exactly. they're going to spit it out. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I feel like that's, yeah, it's probably on the same level of objectionable as coffee and beer. Which... Does that like, does that make something better or worse? Like, I feel like a kid's palate isn't a great thing to judge something by, right? No, but so I think like, I think acquired taste is a real thing, right? I think people like talk about it in this kind of abstract sense. I really do think you can train yourself to detect, you know, different notes of flavors or to appreciate different things about a certain category of food stuff or beverage I, I really have experienced this recently with hot sauces where i've just yeah. like slowly kind of like built up to hotter hot sauces and now enjoy them more uh which yeah. is if you asked me five years ago i'd been like i don't even like spicy food and now i'm oh, on really? a weird hot sauce collection bend oh so man that's that's thrilling to everyone in my life the uh the first house i lived in after college my roommates and i we just went deep on the spicy food we all liked it and all were interested in how far down the rabbit hole we could go sure uh, so every night for dinner was just progressively spicier and spicier and spicier food until people couldn't even like be in the same zip code <laughs> they, like, the neighbors would complain about the uh the toxic air wafting over uh but it's hard to explain to somebody that hasn't gone on that journey before that you like you really do first of all you start to crave like the burn <laughs> like yeah the actual spices is the thing that you like want but then also once you grow accustomed to it and like are expecting it to be spicy and can tolerate high levels of spice there's like a whole new world of like flavors and sensations that are available to you that you just can't get without dealing with the spiciness kind of fun you know so anyway i think that that's true of beer i'm sure it's true of wine i'm sure it's true of tea and coffee and all these things that have these established cultures around them i don't think people are just like bsing about like their artisanal <laughs> coffee. I think if you drink a bunch of coffee, you Everyone. really can't tell the difference between whatever bean that some marsupial pooped out and then was, you know, slow roasted for six years and oak barrel aged. Like, I bet you can probably tell the difference and appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that's something you have to account for when you're making the. I do think it's funnier the, the idea that maybe just the world is doing that and they're trying to trick you for the one time you drink and you go, oh, this is gross. They're like, ha, we've been drinking our whole lives just to get you, Andy. We got you. Well, I do think that, uh, like, if you take a step back, I do think that, like, culturally, we're all agreeing to make ourselves like this thing. And, and the best yeah. example is, like, most white people that live in the Western world don't like kimchi. <laughs> like, if you eat kimchi, it's like, oh, this is really intense. And, like, a totally different acidic uh, kind of, you know, flavor that I'm used to in food. And I just, this is, I can't handle this or too spicy, too acidic, whatever. Uh, yeah. Which like, you know, we have our own things in our culture that we've agreed we're going to like. And the same is true of other cultures. And I do think that it's just kind of 
it's not arbitrary because I think it serves a purpose. Like I think we agreed to like coffee because a lot of people found that hit of caffeine was important in the morning. So this entire industry sprung up around making a bunch of people like this thing that most people are not inclined naturally to like. And alcohol, there's obviously a whole lot to unpack there about people that are trying to get rid of their inhibitions or trying to uh, have a good time or, you know, whatever, give in to all of the sort of advertising that that world has sort of built up. So, so yeah, I think it's like, you take a step back and it is kind of just like, well, we picked this, we're going to decide we're going to like this. And if we had like (laughs) step back and been like, we're decided that we're all going to like, you know, sucking on seashells, like that's going to be the thing we're all going to do to get that good, good salty flavor. Like, I bet you could make yourself like sucking on seashells or whatever. Uh, It's just that there hasn't been a good reason to do so. So you don't. All right. Well, I I guess we all agree that sucking on seashells is the best form of food. The best tongue twister Andy accidentally discovered. Sucking on seashells for the salt. Yep. I'm glad we can agree it's the objectively best beverage. And, you know, while we're on our journey to make our list of all the objectively good and bad things... Uh, it's just important to know that we have to account for things we just made ourselves like. Sure, I I will agree with half of that. <laughs> and never say which half. I will try one with you one time. E- you can make yourself like it, and then you'll understand how good it is. All right. 